Hey, this is Pastor Trustin. I'm the lead pastor here at Living Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. We believe that no matter where you are in life, there's more that God wants to do in you. We hope that this message inspires you with hope, that it builds your faith. We hope it gives you perspective to see that God loves you more than you can even imagine. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, Living Church. Man, I pray that you're having a great day. So excited that you're joining us online, being a part of everything that God's doing. Man, I've been hoping and praying that you've had a great week, even though it's been crazy. You know, to be completely honest, I miss everybody. I super miss the energy, the fun, the excitement. I miss having everybody here. I miss the Sunday morning rally. Every single week before our service kicks off, we have a bunch of people that meet in the lobby, and we have a big rally together, and I miss seeing my friends there. I, I miss the noise and the excitement in the lobby. I miss everybody shouting and cheering and being engaged with everything that God's doing. I, I miss the energy in the room during worship. Like, I love that the room's empty and we're still worshiping God, but man, I miss the unity of all of us coming together. There's something about it, man, that, that there's nothing like it. I, I miss walking in every week and the ushers picking on me. I got a bunch of buddies that are ushers and they're always making jokes and picking on me. I miss shaking hands and hugging necks and giving high fives. I, I miss seeing the prayer partners come up and lay hands on people and pray for needs. I, I miss that at the end of service, people are raising their hands and getting saved. I, I miss seeing the engagement, but can I tell you, God's still doing incredible things. God is still up to something big, not only here at Living Church, but all across this country as people are stepping into new relationships with him. And as I've been praying for you this week, I really felt led to share a simple word, and it's this. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's, good, it's going to be okay. I understand that these are trying times and there's scary things that are happening, but I want you to know that we're going to make it through this crisis. We're going to come out on the other side and God is going to continue to be with us. And let's just call it what it is. We're in a crisis. That our nation right now, our world is in a crisis. But as I've been thinking and praying for you, I realize that there are actually two pandemics that we're having to live through. There's the viral pandemic that all of us are hearing about, but then there's also the social pandemic. And both of them are things that we can catch. They're both things that we can catch from the input of other people. The viral pandemic is something that we can catch through someone sneezing or coughing or touching us. But the, the emotional, the mental pandemic, this, this information that can come into our minds, we have to be very aware of what we're doing to be on guard of that information. And in this process, in this timeline, let me just tell you, it's going to be okay. God's with you. God's for you. He's not against you. There might be trying times. You might be in a season that it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but can I tell you, you're not in this alone. So let's be taking the steps to not get infected. Let's not get infected physically, and let's not get infected mentally. I think it's important that we're staying home. It's important that we're social distancing. It's important that we're washing our hands. Come on, do a good job. Get your thumb, get your wrist, all the fingers, all the things. But even more important, it's important that we stay on guard in our mind and in our heart so that our soul doesn't get affected from the social pandemic that's happening. Our staff and elders have been calling everybody to check in. If you haven't gotten a phone call, maybe we just don't have your information yet. And so we would love to engage with you. Just send us an email uh, at info at livingchurch.com, info at livingchurch.com. It would be an easy way for us to get your information so that we can all stay connected 
in this time. And man, we're doing our very best to stay connected to everybody. I hope that you follow us on social media. If not, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, find Living Church, follow us. You can see everything that we're doing. Man, we're doing fun stuff. We've been, our worship team has been meeting and worshiping together, putting out a lot of worship content. And the hope with that is that we're not just watching, come on now, but we're engaging that we're still singing aloud, even if you can't sing, make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? We're putting this out so that we can be together. We're still doing Sharpen the Axe nights like Pastor Whitney and Aaron just talked about. Uh, we're doing a ton of youth stuff. So our student ministry is putting out great content. Pastor Parker preached a fire message on Wednesday night for our students that you've gotta be checked in on. We're doing a lot of kids ministry stuff. As a matter of fact, right now, moms and dads, if your kids are in the room, get a little anxious, get them connected, send them to another room, give them an iPad to watch all of the ministry that Living Church posted this week for your kids. You can find that on YouTube. You can find that on our Facebook page. Get them involved. Also, something that I've been intentional with is doing some interviews. Uh, Over the last couple weeks, I've been sitting down with some friends and influencers here in our community to ask them some questions. Maybe you saw the interview I did with police chief Tracy Aaron asking him about, man, what is going on? What's the police department's response? Check that out. Or maybe you saw my interview with Mayor David Cook. We invited him uh, to come into the building. He's been a friend for a long time and asked him about, man, what is happening in the government? What are the steps that we're taking? I hope you've seen the video of my, my personal doctor, Dr. Darren Charles, sat down with him a couple weeks ago and asked, what are the, what's the deal with this virus? What can we learn? We're gonna have him back coming soon to ask what we can understand as things are shifting. We interviewed uh, Kenneth Rose, who's the president of Texas Health Hospital, uh, to ask him what have hospitals been doing to spool up. So I hope that you've seen those and you're staying informed what's happening here locally. This week, we've got a lot of other interviews that we're gonna be showing out. I'm in, I've interviewed my personal counselor, Peter Pignon. He's the guy that I go to every other week to keep my emotional health on check. And so you've gotta check those out. They're gonna be coming this week. And let me, let me just encourage your hearts. Can I do that? Yeah. Let me encourage your hearts. Yeah. Testimonies are coming in like crazy right. every single week here at Living Church of life change that's happening. We got a message from an LCer who had a friend that they've been inviting to Living Church who said that they would never come. But last Sunday, they watched online and they messaged their friend and said, thank you for inviting me to Living Church online. I can't wait until the doors open back up. I'm not a church person, but I'm gonna be there. There's testimonies. We got another message of some friends who invited a family over to watch the service with them last week. And at the end of the response, all three people in the other family raised their hands with tears streaming down their face and they asked Jesus into their heart. So come on, God's still doing big things in these trying times. Our elders are providing meals for shut-ins. We're providing childcare for our first responders and people that are still at work. Come on, Living Church and God are doing great things in these crazy times. Last Sunday, last Sunday, over 7,000 people engaged with our service here at Living Church. It's crazy, y'all. 7,000 people are getting the word of God in their heart in this season. And I know that it's a crazy time. This next week is probably gonna be crazy. This last week has been crazy. There's still things shutting down. There's still uh, things opening up. There's potential stimulus packages coming out that we're all a little curious about. There's more people getting sick, but yet we see more people getting healed and walking out uh, with freedom. There's dudes in Oklahoma uh, raising tigers in their backyards, putting people in cages and murdering each other. What is even going on in our world right now, right? It's unbelievable what's happening, craziness. But with all of this stuff happening on the outside, 
We have to be aware that we don't let the external craziness cause some internal craziness. That we don't let the tigers come on the inside. That we don't let the sickness that's on the outside get into our mind and into our heart because the real battle, it's in the mind. The real battle that's being waged is all happening in our mind. The battle with fear and stress and anxiety and unknown and all the what ifs of what if things happen, they're internal battles. Some of you are fighting a battle of boredom and sometimes idle hands are the devil's playground and so we're in that battle. Some of us are battling high tensions in our home. We're battling anger. Some of us feel depression maybe coming on. There's a lot of issues that are not external but are internal. The Bible says this in Proverbs 23, verse seven. Jesus, or it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man or a woman thinks, so is your life. Now, I understand that right now it feels like your life isn't the norm, but your life is determined not by the movements of your feet, but by the movements of your mind. And so though your feet aren't as busy, our minds are working overtime. And so let's be intentional in this season to guard our minds and guard our hearts. And it really shouldn't be a surprise to us that we're in this chaotic time. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus says, hey, trouble's coming, y'all. It's gonna be crazy. He doesn't want us to be disillusioned. Jesus never told us that if we follow him, our life would be full of lollipops and rainbows and unicorns. That's not what Christianity is all the time. Sometimes tough things happen. If I were gonna translate Jesus' words into my vernacular, I would say, in life, sometimes stuff is gonna stink. Sometimes stuff's gonna stink. It's not gonna go in the direction that you wish that it would. But when stuff stinks, he's still the Prince of Peace. When stuff is bad, God is still good. He's still on the throne in heaven. He's still our father. He's still our warrior king fighting for us. None of that has changed. And when we look at this trouble in life, it's not God who brings it. Let's not get our theology wrong. Let's not think that God brings curses on us one day and blessings the next day. God did not cause this sickness. God is not putting this on us as a punishment. We live in a fallen world, and because of that, sin and sickness is a part of the world that we live in, but we have a provider that we can run to. You see, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Look at the next part. But, everyone at home say, but. but. I like big butts and I can't deny. But, but. Take heart, I have overcome the world. That's a good but, y'all. But I have overcome the world. I have overcame the problems of this world. All of these situations and stresses and dramas, God says, I'm bigger than those. He says, don't worry, I've already handled it. If you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my Jesus revolves it. Come on, somebody. God says he's already handled this problem. I'm having fun up here, y'all. That God says he's already handled this problem. The reason we can have peace in our minds is because God is with us. Because his plan is better than our problem. Because his strategy is gonna elevate us in trouble. He's overcome the world. Last week, if you joined us, we talked about the idea of the struggle with stress that all of us are in a wrestling match, we're in a struggle with stress, and we focused in on Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where he says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So I don't have time to re-preach it, but last week we talked about how we need to go to Jesus 
We need to connect to Jesus and we need to learn from Jesus. And when we do that, we're gonna win the struggle with stress. But this week, I wanna talk about this idea, control in chaos. Everyone say control. Control. We love control, don't we? We love being in control. We love having control. We love being in charge. We love having a grip on situations. We love holding the remote in hand while we watch television so we can be in control of everything that we're watching. We love control. We love to control what the toppings on our pizza are. Come on, somebody. Don't be putting no pineapple on my pizza. That is sacrilegious. If you put pineapple on your pizza, we have prayer partners that will pray for you right now. We love control. We love control of what goes in our burrito. If you go to Chipotle and they put the wrong stuff in your burrito, you know you're about to lose control. I don't want no pico de gallo. I want some of that hot salsa. Come on, somebody. I'm a man. Give me that hot salsa, right? We love to have control in our lives, but we hate being out of control. We hate being out of control. Because when we're out of control, we feel like we're in danger. We feel like danger is coming onto our lives. The loss of control, it sets off a battle in the minefield. We're in this series, Minefield, you know, throughout history as people would go to battle, people would go into a field and plant landmines in a field with the hope of stopping the forward progress of the enemy. The devil is laying landmines in the minefield in this season, trying to stop our forward progress through fear. All of us in our minds, there's a little almond-shaped part of our brain called the amygdala. Everyone say amygdala. It's a fun word to say, the amygdala. It's located right between your ears and in between the center of your eyes, in the middle of your brain, between the two hemispheres. The amygdala's job is to jump into action when we're in danger when we're in danger, when we're afraid, when we're scared, when we're freaked out, the amygdala is hardwired to keep us alive. The amygdala is the panic button of the brain, and the minute it gets pushed by our emotions, it dumps adrenaline into our system. The adrenaline that's dumped into our system, its goal is to help us fight, to flight, or to freeze. That adrenaline is supposed to heighten your senses and allow you to do the things that you need to do to stay safe in danger. Have you ever been driving? And while you're driving, you have to slam your brakes on because something happens in front of you. You slam on your brakes and you swerve and you're an inch within getting in a car accident. You know that feeling that you get? Your heart starts to beat. You feel this energy throughout your body. That's your amygdala doing its job. That's your amygdala sending a message to dump adrenaline into your system to brighten your eyes and open your peripheral vision and give an energy to your foot to hit the brake faster. The amygdala has an important job. Have you ever been laying in bed at night (laughs) and in the middle of the night you hear a noise in your house and you have a couple options? Option one, freeze. Don't move. Maybe they'll think nobody's home. Option two, where's my shotgun? You're gonna go to fight. Option three, jump out the window and run. You're gonna flight. There's a couple options that this adrenaline dump that the amygdala does so that we can navigate this trouble situation. It's got one job, one role to protect you. The amygdala is the worry center of the brain, but the problem with the amygdala is it isn't capable of objective thinking. It's incapable of processing logic. It's only emotional. It's only driven based off of fear. It only responds to, are we going to survive? The amygdala, which all of us have, 
It doesn't know the difference between a bear and a bank overdraft notification. It doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know the difference between rah and ding, you get an email from your bank. It doesn't know the difference. It wants to do the same thing. It doesn't know the difference between a building being on fire and a friend being rude to you because it senses danger. And so the amygdala wants to take over and try to protect us. The amygdala doesn't know the difference between a lion and a layoff. Come on, somebody. Some good friends of mine in this season have got furloughed, have got laid off. They don't know what their next step is. And what our amygdala wants to do is see a lion and protect us. Can I tell you that news reports will cause an adrenaline dump in your body? Watching things that are full of fear and unknown tomorrows will cause adrenaline to dump into our body and the amygdala floods our body with adrenaline for 18 minutes. 18 minutes is a long time and it takes four hours for it to wear off in our physiology. This is great if a bear is attacking you. (laughs) If a bear is attacking me, I hope I have 18 minutes of fight to try to get out of that situation. Adrenaline is good in a bear fight, but it's bad in financial management. (laughs) We don't need adrenaline to figure out how to manage our finances in this season. We need logic. We don't need adrenaline to to get out of marriage troubles in this season. We need logic. We don't need adrenaline to deal with conflict in our marriages. We need logic. This, This gift of the amygdala, it causes us to fight the bear but we shouldn't be fighting with our spouse. It causes us to run away from fires, but we shouldn't be running away from problems at home. It causes us to freeze when we see a rattlesnake. (gasps) Freeze, there's a snake, right? It causes us to freeze, to lock up when we see something that's scary. But you know what we shouldn't be doing? Freezing in conflict. Because when we freeze in conflict, it creates chaos for the other person, and now we have turmoil in our home. We have to be engaged. Can I tell you that in God's immaculate design of our body, he gave us something to help the amygdala, and it's called our prefrontal cortex. He gave us the prefrontal cortex, the big lobe in the front of our brain. That is our logic center. It's where we process not emotion, but where we process information. This is the part of the brain that speaks up when the amygdala starts going crazy. So that in the middle of the night, when you hear that noise in your house, y'all know how it is. You hear that noise in your house in the middle of the night and your amygdala freaks out and says, we're going to die. That's when your prefrontal cortex says, you know what? Maybe that's just the air conditioner turning on. (laughs) Have you ever been there? Maybe that's just the dryer at the end of that cycle. Maybe that's just one of our kids going to the bathroom. You don't need to grab your assault rifle. They're just going pee-pee, right? And so it's this understanding because our prefrontal cortex has the ability to engage in the process. It brings balance to the amygdala. But without learning how to engage the prefrontal cortex, people experience what's called an amygdala hijack. There's a hijack that takes over. We are no longer in control of our body logically. We are now running purely on emotions and adrenaline. One of my kids' favorite movies to watch is the movie called Inside Out. There's a bunch of different characters that run around a little girl's mind, and one of them is anger. And at one point in the movie, this character gets so mad, he grabs the control, and he throws up the power. And she experiences an amygdala hijack. And I think that all of us have been there before that we think, why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Why am I doing what I'm doing? It's because we're not engaging our prefrontal cortex. 
We're not allowing God's immaculate design to do what it was meant to do. Can I tell you that our body did not grow out of primordial ooze that evolved into what it is, but that God created us how he created us for a purpose, that he did not design us to only live off of fear and adrenaline, but he created us to live off of logic, that a man would hide God's word in his heart so that he might not sin against him, that this is the thing that we need to be standing on in a season of fear. Have you ever had road rage? Have you ever been, Pastor Whitney said yes too loud. Pray for her online, everybody. Sometimes we have road rage, we're in traffic, and we're at a red light in the car in front of us, the person is watching their phone. You been there? And the light turns green, and the person doesn't go, and what do we do? We start yelling, go, get out of my way, you're an idiot, right? We start yelling in our car. You know why? Because we're having an amygdala hijack. Because logically, we understand they can't hear us in their car, what we're yelling in our car, but yet we're yelling anyways, because we're allowing our emotions to take over in that moment, not allowing our logic to realize that this person in another metal box can't hear us screaming inside our metal box. Our emotions are overwhelming our logic center. I think we see this regularly on television. In society right now, there's these great social experiments that are happening on television like Jerry Springer. Remember Jerry Springer's little old school? We would get these people onto reality TV shows and we would see them have time after time amygdala hijacks. And Jerry Springer was just really a precursor to a bunch of other reality shows. Jerry Springer's no different than Dr. Phil and it's no different than the Jersey Shore. It's the same thing. It's no different from cops to, to, to Judge Judy. There's no difference. All we're doing is bringing people together We're poking at their emotional trauma and we're watching on our screens at home emotional hijacks take over. On Jerry Springer, they throw chairs. On Dr. Phil, they tell lies. And on Jersey Shore, they get drunk and naked, right? This is just what happens. This is what happens. And we sit back and watch, but we don't understand the psychology of what's happening. But how often do we act the same? Our emotions are our logic center. And we're not on Jerry Springer, Now, if you find yourself on Jerry Springer, please email me because I really want to watch your episode and I'm going to sit and watch and say, that person goes to my church. They don't pay attention to my sermons, but that person goes to my church. Please email me. I want to watch it. We're not on Jerry Springer having uh, amygdala hijacks. Do you know where we are? We're laying in our bed at night and everything's quiet and we're not yelling at another person. We're yelling at ourselves and we don't know why we can't sleep, it's because we're letting our amygdala run our situation, adrenaline's dumping into our body at two in the morning when we should be resting because we're not allowing our God-created logic center, come on somebody, to overpower our emotions. We have to learn to control what we're thinking in this season. Daniel Bowman, he's the author of a book called Emotional Intelligence. He's the guy who coined the phrase amygdala hijack. He says this, an amygdala hijack is an immediate and overwhelming emotional reaction that is disproportionate to the stimulus because it triggers a deeper emotional threat. It's disproportionate. And I think that what's happening in our nation is disproportionate, not the shutdown the fear. I think there are wise steps that we need to take to create social distancing and have some space, but the fear that is happening 
is disproportionate to what's actually happening in our society. We're a nation having an amygdala hijack all together and we're feeding fear into each other's minds and into each other's hearts and it's not helping anybody. He says, because it's triggered by a deeper emotional threat. Some of us are afraid today because of what happened yesterday. Some of us are so nervous about what might happen because of what already happened. Just because something went bad yesterday doesn't mean the same thing's gonna happen again. Don't let yesterday's failure be associated with tomorrow's success. If God is with us, who can be against us? We can't stand on fear. We have to stand on faith. But we associate our trauma from past situations with current dilemmas. My son Titus, not too long ago, he got stung by a wasp. He got stung by a wasp in his finger and he started screaming and shrieking and crying and begging for help and Rachel went in and hugged him and kissed him and pulled the stinger out and put some ice on it and a Band-Aid and kissed it and boo-boos and all the things and he, after like 10 hours, calmed the junk down and was okay. Well, two days later, I was in the kitchen doing something and I hear Titus in his bedroom lit out a blood-curdling scream so apparently a crocodile broke into our house and bit his leg off because of how loud he was screaming. And so I run back into the room. He's in the hallway, tears running down his face. Daddy, help me. He can't even get a word out. I go into his bedroom, and you know what's in there flying around? A ladybug. There's a ladybug flying around in his bedroom, and he is traumatized because what he's looking at kind of looks like something that hurt him in the past. Can I tell you that maybe the reason that you're freaking out so heavy now is because you haven't dealt with some trauma from yesterday. Don't allow yesterday's trauma to manifest into fear tonight when you go to sleep. Understand that these are different situations. Understand that God is with us, that he's for us, that he's gonna protect us. John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcame the world. The name of Jesus is above every other name. My son Titus is standing in the hallway as a four-year-old having a full-on amygdala hijack because of a ladybug, which is kind of cute. But it's no longer cute when we're 40 years old doing the same thing. Let's not allow immaturity to sweep over us. Let's not allow our emotions to control our logic and understand that we have not been forgotten. The battle's in the mind, y'all. Proverbs chapter three, verse five, it says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Don't allow your amygdala, your fear, your unhealthy emotional logic to overwhelm the thing that God has already implanted in your heart. The more of this we have in our logic center, the greater we are in moments of chaos. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says this, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, everyone say captive, and we take captive, did you say it at home? Good, so glad you said it at home. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, that we have the ability to make it Captive, did you know that you don't have to think about what you're thinking about? (laughs) That we don't have to think about the things that we're thinking about. Now, I'm not talking about being ignorant. I'm not talking about uh, not being informed. I think it's possible to be informed and not overwhelmed. 
I think a lot of times in seasons like this that Christians can do something that's kind of silly and they can stick their head in the sand. And they can say, I'm not going to watch the news. I'm not going to listen to anything. Well, the problem is if you're not informed and you can't minister the need in the midst of the need. We have to be informed of what's going on in society so we can be a light in the darkness. But we can be informed, but yet not overwhelmed. Because we have the ability to take our thoughts captive. It's, we have the ability to watch the news and not freak out. Because we can capture crazy thoughts. Because our logic center is bigger than our amygdala. I'll show you the photo. We have an almond-sized thing that creates fear, and we have this giant frontal lobe full of logic. What are you pouring into your logic center? Is it helping you or hindering you in your relationship with God? As Rachel and I have been at home for the past few days, uh, we find ourselves looking for new TV shows to watch, and we stumbled across one uh, called Border Security, uh, Canada's Frontline. And so it's a story of these uh, TSA agents in Canada that pre-screen people before they're allowed in the country. And every country has borders and every country has pre-screening that happens before people are allowed in. And it really is amazing because these agents, they ask them all kinds of questions. They look through all of their bags. They're asking people tons of information before they're allowed in the country. And sometimes people bring things into Canada that they don't want. They bring in food or live animals or drugs, and then they filter out what's allowed in the nation. Can I tell you that you need to treat your thoughts like a TSA agent treats you at the airport? Yeah, you do. When you go to the airport, they make you take off your shoes and your belt. They make you empty your pockets, and they x-ray your luggage. But yet we allow thoughts to run through our mind without any consequence. We think that a thought is just allowed in our mind. You have the power, the authority, and the responsibility to capture some thoughts that you don't want roaming around in your mind. You are allowed to pre-screen your heart. You're allowed to pre-screen your mind. You can be informed and not overwhelmed as long as you're letting your godly logic center be involved. And as I've been watching the show, I hear these agents asking people some very similar questions. They ask them, where are you from and why are you here? Where are you from? Where are you from? What, what is your origin? Where did you come from? Do you know what we need to ask our thoughts? Where are you from? Is the thought that you're having, is it a thought from God or is it a thought from the enemy? Is the thought that you're having full of faith or full of fear? Is it full of something positive and hope or negative and destruction? Who sent you? Where are you from? You gotta ask your thought because if that thought that you're having is not godly, put it in captivity. Capture it. Don't allow it to roam around in your mind. Who sent you and why are you here? When we can identify why a thought is in our mind, it can help us capture it. Why is fear here? Is fear here to help push us forward? No, it's here to shackle us and keep us trapped. Why is anxiety here? Is it here to give you a better life? No, it's here to steal your rest and your joy and your peace. So we have to capture that thing. We have to identify who sent it and why it's here. Why is this insecurity roaming around in my mind? Oh, that's because it wants to keep me where I was, not allowing me to get to where I'm going. We have to start to shackle those things and take them captive. We've got to kick those thoughts. Can I tell you it might sound hard, but it's easier than you would imagine. Because the same power 
that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in us. And if we'll take some time and engage, God will use us to capture those thoughts. But all of us from time to time, we have things that penetrate our defenses and they get in our mind and we find ourselves filled with worry. I saw this ball at the store the other day and it looks like the coronavirus. (laughs) And it reminded me of the worry that so easily attaches itself to our mind. How easy it is for worry to get into our hearts. How easy it is for these things that we've been trying to defend against, but they just seem like they just pop up in our lives. And before we know it, they're stuck to who we are. And so maybe you're watching this message today and your life looks a little bit like this. You've got some external stuff that started to become some internal stuff and you don't know how to deal with it. Can I tell you, we have to just give those things to the Lord. We have to give those situations to God. And so what we have to understand is that God wants to be in a relationship with us. And so this week I built for us a God box. And what God, he says, is he says, hey, son, hey, daughter, bring those cares, those concerns, those fears, and would you just give those to me? Would you place those things in my hands? But what we do so many times is we take our cares, we cast our concerns on the Lord, and then we stand back and we look at it and we say, God, I can still see it. It's still there. Nothing's changed, God. I gave this thing to you like two days ago, and Facebook says, and the news says, and my cousin says, and so because I can still see the thing that I gave you, I wonder if you even care about me. God, I gave it to you, but I see it. Do you even care? God, I gave it to you, but I still see it. Do you even have the power to change it? And so what we do is we say, hey, God, I know I gave it to you, but you're not doing what I think you should because I think that my logic center is better than your logic center. And so, God, what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove this from your hands and I'm going to take it back in my hands because I trust my worry more than your word. I trust my worry more than I trust your word. And so, God, I'm going to go ahead and take that thing back from you. Don't we do this all the time? We pray and say, God, I I want you to take it Oh, no, God, I'm going to take it back. Oh, God, I don't want to think about this thing anymore. Oh, God, I'm still thinking about it. And what we're doing is we're running to God and we're removing from him what we've already given to him. Which raises a question. Why do we still see the things that we've given to God? Maybe it's because our perspective of God isn't yet big enough. Maybe it's because the box that we try to hold God in is too small. The God that we understand was big enough to solve our elementary school problems, our 20-year-old problems, our pre-marriage problems, but now as we start to get older, it feels like my God isn't big enough to manage my problems. Can I tell you what you have to do? You have to upgrade your God box. You have to realize that our God is big, that our God is mighty, that our God is strong. And you have to say, hey, God, I'm going to upgrade my understanding of who you are. God, I realize that you are not little and that you are not weak. And in the past, I couldn't give my problems all the way to you because I didn't fully understand who you were. This is why you need to come, keep coming to church. This is why you need to be engaged in the ministry of living church because we open this word up and talk about who God actually is. And when we understand who God actually is, we can open up a relationship with him and realize that we can cast our cares on the Lord. And so we can take these issues and these problems and say, Father, I know this coronavirus thing is stressing me out. 
and that I'm losing my sleep and I don't know what's next. But Lord, I know what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he he cares for you. And so I understand that in this season that some of us are having financial struggles. I understand that there's layoffs happening at work. Can I tell you, cast your cares on the Lord. I understand that your kids are at home driving you straight bananas. Can I engage you this morning that to cast your cares not on a small God, but on a big God who cares for you. I understand that you're afraid your parents are going to get sick. I understand you're afraid that you're going to get sick. I understand what's happening in France and in China and in New York and in California. I understand what's happening, but that we have to understand that God, we can't do nothing about it anyways. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know how to do this, but I do have a relationship with the great physician. So God, I'm gonna cast my cares on you. I don't care what comes. I don't care what the enemy throws at you. When your God is big enough, you can throw any circumstance, any situation into a relationship with him. As we're stuck at home, waiting, let's grow our understanding of who God is. Let's stop operating with a small God. And let's understand that our God is bigger. That his name is the name above all name. That he is seated high and lifted up. That his robe fills the temple. That God is mighty and that he is for us. We don't serve a little God. Can I tell you, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher to be lifted up. So what I want you to do at home is I want you to make a public declaration that our God is higher. So if you're in your living room, stand up. If you're in your kitchen, stand up. If you're driving, don't stand up, but let's worship the Lord because our God is greater. Come on, living church, tell them.